The following was recorded on Monday, November 14th, 2022 at the IFS Web Radio Studio. and welcome to Parkour Ed. My name is Colin Daly and Parkour Ed is a podcast where I invite colleagues or members of the IFS community to come down and sit down with me and talk about what led them to our school. Why are they here? How did they end up here? Today I have a very special guest and I will let her introduce herself. As always, I have people start off by telling us about their name. So what's your name? Hello everyone. My name is Sijing. Sijing. Yes. All right. Now, obviously, a Chinese name. Yes. So, Su is your family name, right? No, my family name is Zhu. So, my Zhu. name is Zhu Sijing. Zhu Sijing. Sijing okay. is my first name. Where were you born? I was born in Beijing, China. Does your name mean anything, or is it just a name? Yes. Actually, all the Chinese names mean something. Uh, so, Chinese, we don't have a fixed first name, like Jack or Louise. We don't have that. The parents can choose whatever f- characters they want have some meanings inside the child's life. So my parents chose si means to think. Oh, lovely. Yeah, jing means quiet, silence. Ah, to think quietly. Yes. That's a beautiful name. And Zhu is a family name. Is it like a clan name or does that also have a meaning? The character has some meaning, but when it becomes a family name, it doesn't mean anything. Do you have brothers and sisters? No, I'm the only child policy product. No, parents can have three kids. That must have been interesting growing up with many classmates who were all only children. Nobody had brothers and sisters. Very, very few, unless their elder brother is before the policy and they are the second one. But maybe in one class of 40 students, there's only one student having brothers and sisters. So our generation in the beginning is called the little emperor generation because of two parents and four grandparents loving us, maybe it's too much love, spoiled ah. these kind of things. Do you think that had any effect on your friendships? Whereas some people are very close to their brothers and sisters, maybe that gave you an opportunity to be closer with your classmates or your friends in the neighborhood? Because we never experienced having brothers and sisters. We don't know how to compare. But I guess we have closer relationship with our parents, right. families. And then this Friends, I think all the friends will always need friends. However, some people will ask me, do you miss having brothers and sisters? Do you feel lonely? I say, no, because I don't have experience having brothers and sisters. How do I know it's lonely? That makes perfect sense. I think most of us who have brothers and sisters have fond memories, but we also have memories where we wished we were only children (laughs) as well. So it goes both ways. So you were born in, in Beijing, and did you grow up in Beijing? Yes, I grew up until 18 years old. What was school like when you first went to school? Kindergarten. So kindergarten. Uh, at, at, did you start school at like age five or age three? or what, um, what age did you start going to an organized school? Organized meaning kindergarten? Well, yeah, instead like, of just being taken care of by a family member, a grandmother. Three years old. Three years old, mm. okay. So that's like a pre-K mm, Yes. And that was in Mandarin. Of course. Chinese, of course. Of course. But now you speak English very well, and I also know that you speak French very well. <laughs> Thank you. What other languages do you speak? Speak English, French, and some Japanese. You were in school, I assume. When did you first start learning another language other than Mandarin? And by the way, do your parents 
also speak Mandarin as their first language, or did they have a different language? Both of my parents are from Beijing, so、mm. they only speak Mandarin.、Yeah. Don't have dialect. And normally, at, when I was in school, we started to learn English in secondary school. So primary school, there's no English. However, my parents actually asked me to learn English when I was in grade four. Grade four,、yeah. so you got a bit of an earlier start、yes. than some. Twice a week, and then it's in the evening, seven to eight. My father is quite far away, one hours away from、oh, home. Yes, really. And so when you went to school. You started at age three, which、mm. was a pre-K. Did you stay in the same school? Was it a neighborhood school, or did you have to travel across town to go to a different school? What were the age breaks for when schools changed? I know there's a preschool, and then there's、oh. a primary school, and then there's a middle school and a high school.、Mm. But what were the age breaks? The age breaks actually is similar to France. I think it's three years old. You go to kindergarten, then six years old will go to primary. Twelve years old, we'll go to secondary, and then fifteen high school, and then eighteen a、uh, university. And each one of those schools is a different building with different administration. It's not like our school here、no. at IFS, where kids can start in toute petite section, go all the way through terminal, and、mm-hmm. basically be on the same campus. No, no, no. Every time you change. Every time you change.、Yeah. And did you always live in the same home? Or did you ever move house? Yeah, we moved house time, but not too far away. Interesting. What did your parents do for a living? Were they in education themselves? Did they teach?、Or? No, my mom actually she didn't change company at all for her whole life.、Wow. It's kind of a factory to produce clothes, and、uh, she started as a worker. There working in the factory, and then my mom told me when she was pregnant. Sometimes you know, I was in her tummy; she was seen working in the factory. A lot of noise,、oh. and then after that, at the end, she became accountant inside the same company. So different positions in the company.、Oh. And and your father was he? My father there? is also in the textile industry, but he was working in the. Company and then for the government, some companies as well, and then went back to a new another company, but always in the textile. And did your parents learn other languages other than Mandarin, or did they just speak Mandarin mostly?、Mm, my father learned Russian in school. That time when he was school, everyone learned Russian as second language. Oh, interesting. Yeah,、oh. and then after that, he learned English. I think in university. He's still trying to learn English after retirement. <laughs> <laughs> It's a never-ending quest for perfection when we study a language, isn't it? And so, in fourth grade, you got an early start with English.、Mm. But then, as you progressed through into secondary school, you had English courses. When did you start studying Japanese and other languages? French, for example. When did、uh, you start learning French? I learned French after I met my husband. <laughs> oh, okay. So your husband is French? Yes, my husband is、I、French.、See. Well, before we jump that far, let me ask you:、uh, when you went through your primary school, then you went to a middle school, I、mm. take it, and then a secondary school. Did you have any specialization, or did you just follow the same program that everyone follows, or did you actually have to specialize in what you were studying in high school? More of a scientific specialization, or a linguistic specialization, or history. Or... We don't have that much choice. There's only two streams. One is like math, science. The other one is literature, history. There are only two, two streams. What age do you have to make that decision? Fifteen. Before you go 15. to high school. Okay. Oh、And、no! Even sixteen、uh, after the, like sixteen after one year in high school. And so you decided. To go which direction? 
science. And so you studied science in secondary school, along with everything else. Walk me through that. Did you graduate at age, say, 17, 18? Is it similar to what we do here? Yes, and yes. And then you choose to go to university? Yes. And, so and you have to have very, very competitive exams to go into university. Obviously, your name indicates that your parents value quiet thinking, right? Yeah. And so did you have a lot of pressure from home to succeed or was it just something that came naturally? Did you enjoy school? My mom told me that naturally I enjoy school. There's no problem with homework. <laughs> so I said, wow, I was such a great kid. <laughs> Why my kids was not like that? <laughs> How many kids do you have? I have three. Uh, it must be the brother-sister influence, right? You were an only <laughs> child, so you, you didn't learn how to act up. <laughs> I'm just joking. So when you became a university student, where did you go to university? For university, before I told you that in China, they have very competitive exam for the universities. And the high school I went was the best in Beijing, like a prestigious school. Oh, what was it called? It's called Beijing Sizhong. It's number four middle school of Beijing. Okay. Yeah, everyone is... Very good. And half our school will go to the top two Chinese universities. So okay. very, very stressful. So I think if you gave me another chance, I will not choose to go to this school. It was a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. And I didn't like pressure. Even now, I don't work with pressure. I, I don't perform with pressure. I understand. And also, I chose to be living there in a dormitory because my home is very far away. It's 45 minutes by bicycle, because that time we use bicycle. So I was living there, and uh, just uh, we study the whole day, and then we have dinner, and then we'll go back to the classroom to study from 6.30 to 9.30. Sounds intense. Yes, and then after that, 30 minutes later, you go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and did that produce the results you were looking for? Did you no. get access to the university that you wanted? No, unfortunately, because I was too stressed, ah. too much pressure, and at the end, I didn't do well for my exams. And I didn't get into the school I wanted. But actually, the, the school I got into was not bad. It's one of the top schools as well. But that moment, you know, all your peers went to the best school, and you didn't. I understand. Got yeah. a lot of disappointment. What's the name of the university you did go to? Beijing Shifan Daxia. It's a Beijing normal university. Okay. It's actually a school for being a teacher. Oh, tell me about that then. So what were you hoping to teach when you first went in? Were you thinking of English? No, actually, I didn't choose the teaching part oh, oh, of the school. Oh, okay. I chose economics. Oh, all right. So you went, okay, I see. Yeah, tell me more about that. <laughs> I was kind of dramatic. And then after that, I was very disappointed. So finally, I, I, I wanted to go overseas. I want to change. As well, I was in Beijing until 18. I was the only child. I got a lot of that attention. I want right. to be a little bit free, a little bit um, on myself. And my parents are very supportive. So finally, I came to Singapore for university. I studied in National University of Singapore. So you know Singapore very well. You came here at a very young age. Yes. Oh, right. Yes. And what did you study there? National? National University of Singapore. And U.S. And U.S. And U.S. Exactly. National University of Singapore. And, and you lived on campus? Yes. You did? Okay. Yeah. Well, what was that like? It must have been very different from Beijing. Yes, very different. Humid <laughs> and <laughs> hot. When I arrived, we didn't have handphones. So every time I call my home, I need to go down to the dormitory. There's a public phone. I need to pay, 
coins inside. Oh, I bought international card. Right. So cool. Now, what year was that when you were? 1999. 1999, when mm. you were a freshman, mm. first year of university. Yes. I see. Yeah, that was, those were different days. Yeah. <laughs> and and I so, studied English for one year before I entered university. Okay. Mm. And was it hard being here so far from home? Or was there a community? Did you have friends and family here in Singapore that had also come abroad? Or were you all on your own when you first got here? Uh, there are a few f- people. We came as a batch together. Oh, I see. We studied English together. And then we went to different faculties in the U.S. You must have already had quite a good level of English before arriving. Yeah, but I don't think it's enough because everything is taught in English, you need to speak fluently, I think was very helpful for that one year. And I'm also sure. have one adaptation, time for adaptation. That's true. And, and you had a lot of other people that you were going through these courses with at the same time. Did you meet a lot of Singaporean people in that first year? First year, no. No, yeah. you're mostly with people, people from, from China. From China, yeah. I see. But after I entered university, there are a lot of foreign friends as well. Wonderful. And so what did you study at NUS? Computer science. Computer science. <laughs> Information system. That was the times. That, <laughs> yeah, was, exactly. that was the perfect time to do that, wasn't that? Information yeah. systems. Yeah. And how long did you study at NUS? Four years. So it was a four-year degree program? Yes. What are the highlights? Anything exciting happened during those four years? Or was it just nose to the grindstone, study, study, study? Did you get a chance to travel much, meet people? Anything I, stand out I, in your actually, memory? I was a very obedient kid before. <laughs> so before university, I, most of life is study. Right. Because it's count <laughs> yes. important and when I went to university I start to see a lot of different clubs like swimming clubs science club or learning a Japanese dance all different kind of clubs that you can join and then for me it's a bit shock and then I don't know what to choose at every bit lost as well and even for courses you can choose so a bit lost but then uh, kind of interesting as well and then I had to study quite a lot as well because English was not really my first language but uh, I enjoyed my uh, university life. And during the university life, I actually I went to U.S. for a minor degree. So I did part-time uh, working in a company, part-time uh, working in University of Pennsylvania. Oh, interesting. Yeah. University of That's Pennsylvania. That's where I actually start to speak really good, start yeah. to fluent in Now, is that in Pittsburgh? No, it's in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh. Mm. What city in Pennsylvania? In, it, sorry, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. Okay. Because mm. I know Pennsylvania is very well known in language study as well. I mean, the Duolingo company is, is in Pennsylvania. It's in Pittsburgh, though. It's not in Philadelphia. Philadelphia mm. is a very interesting city. How did you like living there? Interesting experience. I went there in the winter arrived very cold, different from Singapore. And uh, actually, I went through the school program. So there was one person taking care of us. We are 15, 16 of us. But however, she just rent a house for us. Then two weeks later, we need to find our own apartment, just temporary place. So it's really on your own. Wow. <laughs> Must be very independent. And- yes, yes. And then finally, I find a place that they host like a place for foreign students. So I moved there. And then when I work, the place I worked is two hours and a half away from 
Philadelphia. One way. It's called Doylestown. I still remember. Were you able to take advantage of your time on the train? I Was sleep, it a train? I sleep. You slept. Uh, I, I slept. And ah. then I remember the train, uh, there's some, con not conductor, but the people who are checking the ticket. The guy knows me already. And then he called me, ah, oh, sleeping beauty. Because <laughs> 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 I'm always sleeping in the train. Because Doylestown is the last stop. So I don't have to worry that I missed the stop. I see. You were taking classes in Philadelphia and working in Doylestown. Yes. So and I, how was that a full school year or was it a half a year, like a semester or? Almost a year. Almost a year. Almost a year, yes. And during that time, did you see your family at all? Oh, uh, no. No, you couldn't go back home for short visits. It's too far. Yeah, it's too far. It's too far. Yeah. But it's a great experience. Was that your third year of university? Yes, exactly. Okay, so the third year study abroad, that's traditional in four-year universities. A lot of times people study abroad in the third year. Yeah. That's what I did, too, when I was a student. So then you went back to Singapore to graduate. And what kind of work were you doing in Doylestown as part of your internship? Were you doing computer Yes, no. When we work? went for interviews, it's all about programming programmers and looking for programmers and the company I was working for actually they are processing some medical images so they do MR, MRI yeah. or that and then the the job I was doing was quite basic I see no much skills <laughs> like a labor job I just you know take out the, the patient's name particulars and then so that the specialist can work on that it's not challenging at all I but see. at the same time we learn entrepreneurship in the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School so I need to write a business case based on this company. I so see. more like observation, how the company is working. And then I wrote a business case oh. yeah, for the project. Lovely. Mm. And so then you came back after that, did another last year in Singapore, and mm. then you graduated. Yes. So what happened upon graduation? Did you start working in Singapore? Did you then go back to China or did something else happen? Be because of this one year this experience, I had to extend half a year school year in Singapore. So I left. Then when I went to U.S., actually, I always loved Japan. I learned Japanese, I told you. Right. So that time, I had a very good level of Japanese. <laughs> Even now, I lost. And I always wanted to go to Japan. So finally, I found another internship in Japan, in Osaka. Oh, lovely. I did a six-year internship as a programmer there. Uh, six years? Uh, sorry, six months. Six months. Six oh, months. I was going to say. Six months. It's a long internship, six years. <laughs> a six month as a programmer in Osaka. Yes. And what type of company was it's that? It's a very traditional Japanese company. It's called Sumitomo Denko. It's working on some, I think, computer stuffs and a lot of business there in this company. It's a very traditional Japanese company. Okay. And so you see the settings of the company is very Japanese. Very good experience for me. Great. And then what? After, after working for that company in, in an internship, you finished your university, you've done an internship in Japan. What happened next? I found out programming is not really my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Yes. You, you, you know, at least you know that now. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I don't want to do it I for see. my life. So then I started to uh, find the opportunity, actually find to be a teacher. And then so I went to, that time it's called NIE, National Institute of Education. 
and they had a program for graduate students. So you just need to study one year there, and then you can become a teacher. And where was the NIE? Is that in Singapore? In Singapore. Or in China? Okay, so you came back to Singapore. I came back to Singapore. Now, now, you didn't have a job in Singapore, though, right? No. Were you on a tourist visa? Because you were no longer a student, right? I was still a student. Oh, you were still a student. I was a student. Even though you'd graduated, you got in your degree, and then you did an internship. Because I program prolonged half a year, so I still ah, have... okay. Yeah. So you came back, and you did another year then to get certification to become a teacher. Yes. And in that case, were you thinking of teaching programming or did you then decide maybe teaching English or... Uh, Chinese. Chinese, teaching yes. Chinese, teaching. okay. And so that was a one-year program. How was that? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and who, who, who were you classmates with? Were the people mainly from Singapore? Were there a lot of people from China or other countries? And were they all learning to be Chinese teachers or were they learning to be all kinds of teachers? Like, were there... Uh, classmates that, learning to be science teachers, elementary school teachers, secondary school teachers. The school is for preparing for different kinds of subject teachers. However, our program, like people I hang out with, are all for being Chinese teachers. And those people can be people from China, Singaporean, local students from Malaysia, or people also like have worked something else. I want to have a career change and came back to study to become Chinese teacher. So... After that one year, did you begin teaching Chinese? Yes, I began to began, began to teach Chinese. Where did you start? I started in a local school, government school. Which one? Do we it's, know it? <laughs> it's called Hongwen School. Hongwen? No, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it. not. Was in Lavender. <laughs> Lavender. Okay. Yeah. So you started there. What age groups were did you start teaching? It's primary school. So from six, seven in Singapore, seven to twelve. Seven to twelve. Mm. And when you teach Chinese in Singapore, is it mother tongue? So are your students coming from a home or background where they have family members who already speak Chinese, even if it's not Mandarin? Maybe they speak a dialect, a Chu. Or... Yes, in Singapore, actually, English the media language media for teaching. However, there's one subject. It's called mother tongue. So if you're Chinese, you learn Chinese. You're Malay, you learn Malay. If you're Indian, you learn Tamil. So most of my students are Chinese as race, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. But more and more people from different races, the parents want them to learn Chinese. So they can join as well. Oh, so for example, a, a Malay student, instead of learning Malay, would learn Mandarin at I school? guess they need to get some special permission or a, but a, a, an, an Indian student could take Mandarin yes. instead of Tamil. Yes. Ah, I see. And inversely, a Chinese student could take Tamil if he or she wanted to. Mm, I guess. But, but they I don't. Never, that doesn't I happen never, I haven't. Not yet. <laughs> not, I've never seen one yet. All right. So how long did you work at that school? Bit, almost three years. Three years. Mm. Okay, so you were at that school for three years, and, mm. and then what happened? <laughs> what happened? I can't wait to learn how you learned French, because your French is very coming good. Soon, coming soon, coming now. Okay, coming I'll, now. I'll, I'll, <laughs> stay tuned, everyone. Stay tuned, we're getting there. <laughs> so when I was studying, being a teacher, yeah. I, after I met my husband, and then he was in Singapore doing one-year internship, like he did from his school, doing one-year internship in Singapore. That's how I met him. I see. Yeah. And then that time I was still learning Japanese. And then we became together, boyfriend and girlfriend, getting more serious. And then I started to, oh, no, no, I didn't. And then after that, he left. After one year internship, he left. And then we did two years long distance relationship. And then during that time, I started to learn French. Yeah, okay. Alliance Francaise. Oh, you took courses at the Alliance Francaise. Yes, every Saturday, three hours. Wow. Mm. And then uh, finding after two years is too difficult. 
I decided to join him in France. And how was his Chinese? Well, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't taking Chinese lessons for two years, waiting for you to. Yeah, no. that's a topic he doesn't. He didn't want to touch. <laughs> <Okay> . <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anyway, just, always love language learning. Oh yes, yeah. yes. And so you went to visit him in France, or you moved to France? And um, during that two years, I visit him quite often when I have holidays. And yeah. then two years later, I decided to join him、I、in、see. Paris. Great. So now we're in Paris, and what year is it in Paris? Two thousand and nine. All right. So we have Facebook. We have we have modes of communication, <laughs> so you can talk to mom and dad、yes. without without going to the payphone and getting a phone card, right? Exactly. Two thousand nine. You said. Yeah. Okay. So you're in Paris in two thousand nine, and are you both working, or is your boyfriend? Or your future husband, and then we married. We got married because otherwise it's difficult to <laughs> stay there. Oh, definitely, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And so he was working there. Yeah, he was working there. Just find a stable job, and I joined him without job, without speaking French. Ah, <laughs> and so your job was to study French, and、uh, yeah, and you and you could, did you start your family in France? Did you have? Children in France. Yes, yes,、okay. yes. So when I arrived in France, I took a three months intensive French course in so- La Sorbonne. Ah, La Sorbonne. La Sorbonne. Yes. yes. Great. Yeah, and then I started to give some Chinese classes, like to one-to-one class to go to people's home. This kind so of small private, job, private class. So private, giving private lessons,、yes. private tu- tuition. Tuitions. All、yes. right. Then we get our first child in 2012. Were you living in Paris? Yes, Levallois Perret is near Paris. Say that again. What's the name? Levallois Levallois Perret. Levallois Perret. Okay,、uh, nearby. Near, nearby. Not, nearby. Not far outside of the center town. No, there's still metro. metro. There's、okay. still、um, subways there. How long did you end up staying in France? In France. At our first child in 2012, that how almost three years I was in Paris, and then we started to think maybe it's time to move. Because Paris the apartment is too small, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> and then my husband、uh, is from Bordeaux. Lovely area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we decided to go to Bordeaux. Oh,、so、all right. So we went to Bordeaux、uh, to live there. And you were right in Bordeaux, right in the in the town. Town、okay. in Bordeaux.、Mm. And so he found a, a different job there. And、yes, were you still、me. giving lessons? Were you still teaching Chinese privately? When when I was in Paris, at the end, I kind could find. I, I even found a university and start to teach Chinese there. Then we moved again. I had my second child, and then I start to give lessons, private lessons again. This kind of thing. So you're both in Bordeaux with two children and your in-laws, and you've got your life, your friends, everything's going well. I love it, Bordeaux. Yeah, Bordeaux. It's it's beautiful. It, it's, it is a lovely area. What happened then? How did you end up in Singapore? Did you go somewhere else before Singapore?、Or? No. What happened after four years in Bordeaux? We start to think because I'm very very far from my parents. I'm the only child. Right. I start to want to spend more time with my parents. And then we say, okay, we are still young. If we don't move now, we'll never move. So say, okay, why not?、So、we move back to Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> Did, did you both look for jobs before coming, or did you just decide here we come? We'll figure it out when we get there. Actually, when I left Singapore, I didn't really quit my job. I can still get back to my job. I see. So it's similar to the French system, and you were on disponibilité. Yes. Is that so? Was of- not. 
difficult for me to find a job because already something there for me. I see, I see. Okay. Yeah. And your husband, he found a job? He found a job. Before coming or when he got here? Uh, very lucky. We were very lucky he found a job before coming. Oh, that's great. Yeah. We were jumping. <laughs> yeah, <Yay>, finally. Because <laughs> that time my friend told me the rental was very high or that was... Right. A lot of uncertainties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When did you return to Singapore? How long have you been back? In 2016, I came back. We came back as four. Right. Yeah. And then then you had a third child. Yes. Okay. Here in Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. Here in Singapore. Okay. 2019. Well, I'm curious because, you know, I'm married to a French woman and I have French nationality, but also American nationality. And my kids have both. My wife doesn't, but how does that work for nationality-wise? For your kids, you have two kids born in France, one kid born in Singapore. Do they get to keep They're all, all the, French. They're, they're all French. They're Do all they, French. Can they be also Chinese? Chinese? No. You, you have to Not choose. allowed. Okay. And are you French? They, they, they are not allowed to choose neither. In the beginning, I thought they can choose, but uh-huh. actually China has a policy if you gave birth overseas and the partner is not Chinese, you automatically is the other nationality. Is that a new policy? I don't know. Forever. I got to know it when my first child was born. But you still have Chinese, Chinese nationality. nationality. Mm. You could get French nationality. If I give up Chinese one, because China doesn't allow two nationalities. Right. <laughs> How would they know? <laughs> <laughs> and I have my parents in China. Right. It's my connection. I under, completely understand. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to apply visa to go back to see my parents. Oh, I completely understand. Mm. I, I took French nationality because, you know, both my kids are French and I work at a French school and it's a nationality that I chose. I never chose to be American, but at the same time, I don't think um. I'd give up my American nationality. If they made me choose, I wouldn't be able to choose. That would be too hard. So then I would just stick with the original, I think. So I completely understand why. And to be honest, the French government are so generous. <laughs> you don't have to be French to, yeah, that's, to they, enjoy France. Yeah, it's, that's, that's a whole, no, that's another topic, isn't I it? I would like to express something. I think the French government is taking very good care of their own people and people even not French. I so agree. Not a lot of countries are doing that, I think. I agree. Mm. I agree. Compared to other countries, it's a, it's a great place. So here we are, two foreigners singing the praises of France. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've, I've had the opportunity to listen to French people complain about <laughs> France, but I know deep down they love France. So you came back, you have your third child, and you, you had your job working for the MOE, right? Ministry of Education? Yes. Teaching in a local school. Yes. Now, did you go back to the same school that you'd left previously, or did you come back to a different school? They assigned me another school. A different school. Mm, okay. Different school. Which, what was the name of that one? Geelong Methodist. Geelong Methodist. I've heard of that one. <laughs> At least the Methodist part. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Methodist school in Singapore. Right. But are those considered public schools? Public schools. It's very interesting in Singapore. They're all public work? schools. But, in, you know, in my school, they pray in the morning. And they have one lesson, Bible study. So some schools are attached to certain uh, religions. There are some related to Buddhism. I see. Some, yeah, uh, it's very interesting for me to discover that. That's what they're all public but schools. But they're public. Public but, schools. But there aren't Catholic kids going to the Methodist school and Buddhists going to the Catholic school. And uh, it's I your mean, parents' choice. Your parents' choice, mm. okay. So if there are children who are praying in the morning before school at school, 
their parents are aware of this. They yeah, wanted that but they don't them. have to believe in this religion to go to the school. Uh, I see. In my school, we have Malay kids, Indian kids. So during the Bible study session, they will bring these kids to another room to do something else. Oh, all right. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting for me to know as well. What made you shift out of that system and to work for IFS? Mm, a lot of reasons. Some reason, professional reason and personal reasons. Right. Professional reasons, I was a bit burned in that school. The teachers do a lot of work. So. I've heard stories yeah. from friends and colleagues who have taught in MOE schools that that's very demanding hours, very demanding. Extra work. What, what are some examples of things that you had to do in an, at your MOE school that you don't have to do here or don't suffer from as much here we we do a lot here we do but we for example i worked for primary schools and then the class starts let's say 8 15 but 7 15 we have to be in school everyone assembled in the hall and then you have to be there one hour before the class start to just be with the kids to manage them all right all so that. something mm-hmm. that might be in the realm of the vie scolaire here yeah and be... even for we don't have la vie scolaire no so everything la vie scolaire does it's teacher's duty right. so you have certain hours of teaching but also a lot of extra hours not counted and the students had a lot of homeworks <laughs> a lot of things to mark a lot of marking and lot for of Chinese a lot of practice and then it's just cannot finish yes yeah, yes. I was born. And also the lessons, it's not like here. I love here because I have a lot of freedom to choose how I can teach, what do I teach, like the way to teach it. There, everything is designed. It's like you just go inside, you follow the schedules, you follow the way to teach. Not too much way that you can use your own methodologies. Because I love right. Montessori. Yes. Uh, this is really my... Philosophy. Right. It's difficult for me to apply that because I didn't have time. I just don't have time to right. prepare, don't have time to teach because a lot of exams. So I need to prepare them for the exams or that. A lot of exam prep. Yeah. I can see that. Mm. And so it's almost like following a cookbook. They give you the lesson plan, they give you the exercises, they give you all these things that you have to apply. And what if you have a group that that just doesn't advance as quickly as it should? you still have to plow through what they give you or mm, can because you adapt Because some it? schools, not all, some schools, they will arrange students by their abilities. So for the people who can absorb more, they will teach maybe more suitable for them in one class. I see. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And so how did you hear about the French school? Because my kids were there. Ah. That's the second reason I chose here, because our holidays are all different. Ah, yes. When I finish my holiday, they start. So, ah. yeah. So now you're all on the same schedule. Of course, yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> one of the reasons I ended up here as well, so yeah. I could have the same schedule as my kids. And so that's a nice perk. And then, yes, they would say, oh, actually I would like to teach in French school. And then I applied and I was very, very lucky that I got it. <laughs> yeah. When did you start teaching here? I started January 2020. What levels are you teaching? Now? Now, yeah. Did, oh. you, now, did you start in the secondary school in 2020? Yes, yes, secondary school. Okay. And this year I'm t- taking 6, 6, 5, 3, Four, the, four different levels. Four levels. Four levels. Yes. And all in college. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. How many people are in the Chinese department? Do you know mm. offhand? Roughly like eight. Roughly eight? Yeah. Okay. Eight to nine, I guess. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And what grades are your, your children in? 
What classes are they in? Petite section et CE2, CM2. CE2 and CM2. Yes. CE2 and CM2. Yes. Wonderful. What your children are learning in school, it's, it must be a lot different than, it must seem a lot different than when you were their age. Of course. I mean, that's one thing I noticed about my own kids when they were going to school here. I was so happy that they were studying at this school, and I thought it was a great place for them, but I couldn't help but think how different it was to what I grew up with, and you must feel the same way. Did you imagine that you would end up here when you think back to when you were a student? I mean, could you have ever imagined when you were, you know, finishing your high school, say, well, I think I'll probably end up teaching Chinese at a French school in Singapore? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> You saw yourself becoming a programmer or, <laughs> or something like that. And yeah, all my you know, relatives thought I will end up working in a bank or something like that yeah. and work a lot uh, and just you know, kind of industry instead of being a teacher. Right. And, but the, I always love kids. Right. I and always love the are there, teaching. Are there any other teachers in your family? No. But my mom could be a very good teacher, ah, but she didn't. She didn't she decide did. to do that. Was there anything that we've left off? Is any part of your life that you'd like to share with us that we haven't mentioned? Anything that we have just a few minutes before we have to go off and teach another class? Ah, sure. But, uh, There's something I would like to share. What my would you experience. like to share? Yeah, tell us. Uh, when I was in Paris, you know, when I just started to take a teach lesson, I have publicities everywhere. And one day, I remember it was 31st of December, I received a call and saying, hello, I want to learn Chinese. I'm the author of Baba Baba, you know. Oh. I thought it was a joke. Yeah, the book, right? Yeah, That's a, the author. The author. Of Baba Baba. Baba Baba. I said, okay, all right. Because we know of Baba Baba. In China, we watched that TV show when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. Then he was living in 14th hour this small. So I went there at the cafe. I started to meet him. He's actually 80 years old, and he's just started, you know, his books start to publish in China, and he wants to say something in Chinese to the audience, to the kids. Interesting. That's yes. quite an, a fun brush with fame. <laughs> oh, such a connection. Great. Yeah. Ended up that we became friends. Oh, good. <laughs> and ended up, I started working with him when I was in Paris. I actually translate all his design anime, like yeah. cartoons, in yeah. Chinese. And I found a dubbing company. I did everything for him. Wonderful. Yes, I, then uh, the show was on CCTV, you know, China TV. And it was not easy to get into it. So I was very happy about that. What a great project. <laughs> yes. It's very interesting to learn that. Thank you for sharing that with us. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Well, it was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. I think one of the best parts of my job is getting to meet people from all over the world. And all of us have that one thing in common, that we're here for the kids of IFS. I hope we get to talk again very soon. Thank you, Pauline, for inviting me. It's a great pleasure talking to you and everyone. Wonderful. Well, I guess we'll say bye for now. Bye-bye.